0: communityoxford.com, or check us out on social media via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Again, thank you for joining us today at the Community Church Oxford Podcast. Share with you, this has been a really, really tough week. Um, And what I mean by that, Nakoma James, that actually goes to church with us, um, he and his wife and his girls, uh, Coach James went to be with the Lord this week, um, and uh, just, just heartbroken over that. He actually teaches in this school. Uh, he's one of our assistant football coaches here at Lafayette, and uh, you would recognize him if you saw him because of the simple fact you'd see a smile, um, and, uh, and he'd probably be wearing a bow tie. Um, but I just want to pray this morning for him, or actually for his wife and his girls and his family. Uh, they're going to have a uh, visitation on Wednesday um, from 1 to 6. Uh, At Hodge's funeral home, Uh, because of the pandemic, there's going to be lots of people that want to go by and speak to his family, but because of social distancing and all of that. And so I just want us to pray for the James family this morning, and then I want to pray for this campus. Um, There are teachers and coaches, there are students that go to school here that he has impacted greatly, Um, and uh, there's a loss. But one thing I want to say about Coach James is this, man, he loved Jesus, and he loved people and we'll see him again if we're believers. And so there's a hope and there's an opportunity for for Christ to be glorified in this moment. And so I just want to make sure that we pray for his family. So let's pray this morning before we dive in. God, thank you for this day. I want to thank you so much for how you love us. God, I want to thank you this morning that you love us in such a way, God, that you desire to have a relationship with us. And so this morning, God, as I think about Nakoma and I think about Letitia, Lord, I pray specifically for Letitia this morning and for the girls. God, I pray that you would wrap your big honking arms around this family. God, that you would let them know that you love them. God, I want to pray for Lafayette this morning, uh, for the middle school specifically where Coach James actually taught and worked. God, for the football team that he coached, the, the, the weightlifting team that he, that he coached. God, I just pray that you would minister to those young people. God, as adults, it's hard enough for us to understand death, but God, for kids, it's even harder. And God, we just want to thank you for the impact that he had on our church and the impact that he had on this place. But God, more importantly, we want to thank you most of all for his relationship with Jesus. So, God, we pray that you minister to this family, use us as a church to minister to this family. God, I know there are others in our midst that have lost loved ones this week. I pray for them. God, I know then that there are others in the midst uh, that that are about to have a, a child. I, I thank you for life. I thank, the, thank you, God, that you are the God that gives and the God that takes away, and we can praise you in both seasons of life. And God, I pray this morning that as we open up the book of Acts, chapter 24 and 25, God, that your word would just come alive to us. And God, that this morning that we would know that it is at the name of Jesus, that all fear trembles, that everything in our life that that causes chaos runs and hides at the name of Jesus. So this morning we claim that name over us. We ask that your Holy Spirit be present in this place. And God, we ask that you move in a mighty way. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... (coughs) Excuse me. Thank you. As we dive in this morning to Acts 24 and 25, we're almost there. And what I mean by almost there is we are we're we're on the home stretch in the book of Acts. Last week we looked at 22 and 23. This week we'll look at 24 and 25. Next week most likely we'll look at 26 and 27, and then we will land the plane on the book of Acts in chapter 28. But what I need you to understand this morning is And what I hope that you'll see this morning is, is that Paul has been on a journey since his conversion, okay? And I hope that we have seen the power of salvation in Paul's life. Let me explain what I'm talking about. I think too many of us give our life to Jesus, we pray a prayer, we get dunked in some water, and we go, we're good. We're good. There's nothing else to do. We're good. There's nothing else to do. And church, I need us to understand this morning that when we give our life to Jesus, it's really the starting point. We don't give our life to Jesus and go, we made it. We're there. No, we give our life to Jesus, and that's when we ought to get on fire. Just so you know, I love this church. I love our people. You guys have showed out in the last two days, on Friday and Saturday, working in West Spring Hill community and Brittany Woods and Taylor and Harmontown, passing out backpacks and cooking hamburgers and hot dogs and loving on people in the midst of a pandemic. And I'm with you. I would have much rather had our our back to school bash at the pavilion where we could have eight or 900 people show up. And this morning we could have prayed over all these backpacks and families would be coming through our building this morning, picking up those backpacks. But church, when the enemy tries to knock us down, we don't, whining, complain about it. We just look for new opportunities. Amen. And you did a good job. And I know some of you are frustrated that you didn't get to do more. But church, I'm afraid that some of us are so anxious about doing more that we miss that Jesus has already done enough. I'll say that a little slower. I think some of us are so convinced that we want to do more and we miss that Jesus has done enough. Do you realize that when we were worshiping just a minute ago and we were singing the name Jesus, that there is power in that name. There is life change in that name. There is a difference that is made in that name. And all I'm asking this morning is is that we would not read the book of Acts in vain and we would not see this unbelievable transformation Transformation of a hater to a lover in Jesus' name through Saul to Paul, that we would see that Paul had a mission in church as we see Acts and we see that Paul had a mission and the church had a mission and the gospel has a mission, that we would not miss the fact that we cannot put off for tomorrow what we must do today. Have you ever said that yourself? I'll just do it tomorrow. Man, we can wait on that till tomorrow. Sound familiar? Can I just go ahead and throw you under the bus this morning? If you're new, you just need to know this how we roll. If you've not said that, you're lying. Because you might not have said it, but you thought it. And can I be honest with you? We always think we're going to have more time, more time, more time, more time. Church, God is wanting to do something in you and me and in us as the church, and I'm not talking about just community. I'm so thankful for Brandon this morning who prayed right before I got up to speak. He's a drummer, but he loves Jesus and his heartbeat praying for every pastor in this community that when they open up their mouth, that Jesus would come out. There's always tomorrow. And I was nice as I was making my notes. Have you ever heard someone say that? Like giving somebody else, the like blame it on them? It's amazing how we will put off tomorrow, which we could do today. We as Christians are the worst at this. The Holy Spirit put, puts it on the tee for us. I mean, it is there. It's like a beach ball ready to take a swing, to swing for the fence. And we say, oh, we can do it tomorrow. The story... In Acts chapter 24 that we're going to dive into this morning, the story of Felix is one of the saddest stories in the New Testament. Luke tells us that Felix already understood much about Christianity, and as a husband of a Jewish wife, he undoubtedly had heard about the great works of God. And in this passage, we will see that Felix seemed to be curious to hear more about the way of Jesus but we will also see in Acts 24, after listening, he decided the price was too high. We will see when Paul begins to talk about a Christian life and righteous living and self-control, he becomes afraid, and he says, when I have more time, I will ask for you. This sound familiar? We do the same thing. God says, Hey, Fish, I want you to go do this. And we're like, God, I'll I'll get to it tomorrow. Church, if we've learned anything in the midst of this pandemic, there might not be a tomorrow. Amen? Jesus himself says that there's enough to do for today than for you to worry about tomorrow. But you know, the enemy loves it when we say tomorrow. You know that? He absolutely laughs at us when we say tomorrow. You know why he laughs at us? Because he knows that because we are sinners and we're selfish and we're all about our agenda instead of God's agenda, that when tomorrow gets here, what's going to be in the way tomorrow? The same thing that got into in the way today. This morning, as we look at Acts 24 and 25, we're going to see... Felix, Festus, and a couple of other folks that have this opportunity to acknowledge Christ as Paul is preaching to them. By the way, while in chains, he's still preaching Jesus. Church, what's our excuse? What's our excuse? Paul's in chains, but he's still preaching Jesus. And we're going to see opportunity after opportunity after opportunity for people to give their life to Christ, and they miss it. Church, I hope you're encouraged this morning by the fact that Paul continued to preach the gospel, and the gospel moved in spite of those who accepted it, because when the the gospel is preached, the gospel goes forth, amen? Dive in with me in Acts chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. And after five days... The high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus, and they laid before the governor their cause against, or their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus, or T. Hardwood, Hardwood, excuse me, began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, do you see what he's doing? He's saying, Hey, Felix, you're the man. You're on the throne. You're in charge. Help me out. I know that this would be hard for you to believe, but there is politics in the church. Look at what it says. He says in verse 3, in every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world, and is the ringleader of the sect of Nazarenes, and even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. Quick time out. Look at verse four with me again, or excuse me, verse five. For we have found this man a plague. You ever been called a bad name? By the way, I understand we got some folks that ain't too far from giving their life to Jesus. I'm not asking for examples, okay? And I know that you think after you come to know Christ that that's over. People still gonna call you stuff, people still gonna hate. But think about the worst thing that you've ever been called. I'm not talking about what your spouse called you. That might actually be the worst thing you've ever been called. But I'm talking about you're in one of the baddest situations or circumstances in your life and somebody calls you something, you're like, man, I've never been called something that bad. Look at verse 5. It's hard to see. You, on the, you, you in the live stream will be able to see it. But we, for we have found this man a plague One who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world. And he is the ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Here's what I want you to see this morning, church. If I'm going to be labeled a ringleader of anything, I pray that I'm stirring up the world for Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. But this guy calls Paul a plague. Church, do do you realize that Probably the closest thing that my generation has ever seen of a plague is COVID-19. We were praying right before our service. And Javi shared with us and asked us to be in prayer for Yaya. Many of y'all know Yaya that sang with us. It's Javi's little sister. She lives in Nashville. A couple of weeks ago, she got diagnosed with COVID-19. She's very sick for a few days, but now she's doing much better. Church, It's real. There might be some politics involved, but I promise you it's real. It's taking people's lives. And these people dare to call Paul a plague. Paul is not bringing death, he's bringing life. Keep reading with me. Verse 6. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him by examining him yourself, verse 8 says you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Church, I don't know about you, but most of the times when I'm in trouble, or somebody comes to my office, or I think more about when I was a young person, and I know some of you think I haven't grown up yet, and I haven't, Thanks, Brian. But here's what's cool. Usually when I'm standing and whoever I'm in trouble with, they don't give me an opportunity to speak. Like I don't get to defend myself. I can remember as a teenager. I don't know if my dad got great joy out of it, but there were, day, were days that he would come home and he'd take his belt off and he'd start whooping me and my brother and we would look at him and go, Dad, what did we do? I don't know, but you did something. And I'm thinking to myself, what? That was before he knew Christ. I'm not saying he wouldn't do it after Christ. But maybe he would give us an opportunity to at least plead our case. Verse 10 says, And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over the nation... I cheerfully make my defense. Did you hear that, church? I cheerfully make my defense. They've called him a plague. They've called him pretty much the worst that you can call someone. They've made all these false accusations against him. And how does Paul respond? He does it cheerfully. Verse 11, you can verify that that it is not more than 12 days since I went to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. neither can they prove to you that they now bring up, neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this, I confess to you, that according to the way, John chapter 14, verse, verses one through 6, Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth and the life." What Paul is saying right here. He's saying to them, but this I confess, verse 14, to you, according to the way which they call a sect, I'll worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. You know why Paul does that? We're a great commission church here at Community Church. You know what the Great Commission says? It says, go baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything of what? Of the prophets. Why do we teach about the prophets, church? We teach about the prophets because the prophets prophesied about what was to come. Why do we teach the law? Because a man does not know that he's broken the law unless he knows the law. But he says to the governor, hey, look, they're going to tell you this and they're going to tell you that, but here's the truth. Verse 15, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take, pain, take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an, uh, make, the, make own accusation should they have anything against me or else let these men themselves say what, was, what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. And, after the, and, and And other than this, one thing that I cried out while standing among them it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you this day. What he's saying is is that the reason they bring me before you is that they are so much about doing and they are so much about customs and there's so much about religion, and there's so much about the right place at the right time and the right group of people that they miss that in their salvation experience, they really do nothing except, except believe and follow. And they can't handle it. They also struggle with the fact that you're now telling me people die and come back from the dead. I believe it. How about you, church? Because if not, and and if this this life that we're living now is all there is, I'm out. Praise God, this is not the end. And that's the reason Paul can be cheerful. That's the reason Paul can have such boldness. That's the reason Paul is continuing to preach Christ. Why? Because he's saying, hey, (laughs) the only thing you can do is kill me. And if you kill me, then I get to go home today. But he also knows that God has promised him through the power of the Holy Spirit that he's going to Rome. So he knows he's good. Look at verse 22. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, When Lysia La- 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 or, or Lysias, La- the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case then listen to this. I know that we have some officers in the room today, people that are in law enforcement. I'm pretty sure that this doesn't happen with normal criminals. Then he gave the orders to the centurions in verse 23, that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. Man, I'll be locked up for that. You want to lock me up? Lock me up. My friends get to come see me. My wife gets to come see me. My needs get to be met. I'm in chains, but it's all good. Lock me up. Look at what it says in verse 24. And after some days, Felix comes with his wife, Jerusalem, or Jercelia, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Do you see the platform that the gospel is giving Paul at this moment? Do you now see why we say that Acts is the gospel on the move? Because even when you're in prison, even when you're locked up, what does God give you an opportunity to do? He gives you an opportunity to preach. But how are we? I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll get to that tomorrow. So he summons him. And what does Paul do? Verse 24, after some days, Felix came with his wife, who was a Jewish, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul, and he heard him speak about the faith in Christ. Look at verse 25. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. You know what Felix is doing? He's heard the gospel. He's heard about what Jesus has done in Paul's life. He has heard about the ministry. He's heard about the way. And Jesus has put this big ball on the tee. All Felix has got to do is swing, knock it off the tee, and it would be an unbelievable hit. But Felix goes, because of his fear, Because of the fact he knows that Jesus would change everything that he knows, and he would have to lose everything to gain the one thing that we need the most, he's alarmed by the sacrifice that he's got to make. And look at the response that Felix gives. Verse 25, go away for the present. You know what the present is, right? today. Look at what it says. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Verse 26, at the same time, he hoped that money would be given given him by Paul, so he sent for him often and conversed with him. Listen to verse 27. (laughs) When two years had elapsed, Felix was exceeded by Parshish's Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Paul has laid it down for him. Have you ever done that? You're talking to somebody about Christ. I mean, you have laid it in front of them. Man, the Holy Spirit is moving. You can tell that, that man, you're like, they're, they're this close. Like, they're this close. They're about to, to come to the understanding that they don't have to live in their old life anymore. They don't have to live without self-control. They don't have to live in unrighteous. They can live in a righteous way. They can live in a, in, in a controlled way. They can put their hope in Christ. They can do this. But they're like, but, but, but wait a minute. And here's the problem, church. I think the church has done a really good job of telling people of what they're going to lose when they give their life to Christ. And we fail to tell them what they're going to gain when they get Christ. Do you see it? They're so afraid they're gonna have to give something up. But they so miss, church, what they're gonna gain. So Felix, what does he do? Locks the dude up, brings him out every once in a while, and he thinks Paul's going to bribe him. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you roll with Jesus... When you ride with Jesus, when Jesus has got your back, when Jesus is going before you and behind you and beside you and all around you, can I tell you something, church? You don't have to bribe anybody. Jesus is the one that will get the glory. Jesus is the one who is the same today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. You don't have to fake it till you make it because if you got Jesus, you've already made it. What can the governor give Felix? Nothing. What can the governor, Felix, give Paul, excuse me? Nothing. So every time he'll bring him back, it's kind of like Felix is going, hey, man, you know who I am? Paul's like, yep. You ready to talk about him? Because the one you really need to know is, is so much greater than you. So check this out. I believe this text is fitting as we start this new semester, this new season in the midst of a pandemic, the uncertainties in front of us. Go back with me to Acts 24, 25. Go away, is more or less what Felix is saying, and when I get the opportunity, I'll summon you. How sad it is that we treat Jesus the same way. Have you ever noticed? I'm starting a new career, Jesus. Come back later. I just got married, Jesus. Can you please call on me again? I got children to raise. Jesus, perhaps I will have more time later. (laughs) Tell me how that works out. I got pressing health issues. Jesus, can I get back with you? The excuses can last a lifetime, and sooner or later, time runs out. And we've kept kept Jesus waiting, and now we face judgment. You know what's so sad? You know why this is one of the saddest stories in the New Testament? Many people get one chance to meet Jesus, and they miss it. Can you imagine, and we don't see it, so I know, I know, I know I'm stretching it. I know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in this place of like, maybe this, maybe not. I can guarantee you this, as we have seen the life of Paul up to this point in Acts, that every time Felix brought Paul before Felix, what did Paul do? He preached Jesus Guaranteed. Why? Because he remembers who he used to be and since Christ, who he is now. Church, before we go any further, look at me. Please don't miss this. Online, please don't miss this. If you understand the worth and the value that you have in Jesus, it is not just a game changer. It is not just a world changer. It is a life changer. It is not just a game changer. It is not just a world changer. It is a life changer, meaning it changes every outcome in your life. Yesterday, I had the unusual privilege that I have as a pastor often because there are so many people that don't have pastors I had to preach a funeral of a man that I did not know. Funeral home called me and said, Fish, would you be willing to preach this funeral? I said, be honored to. One of his close friends that worked with him called me and said, Hey man, I'm going to say a few words. I want to make sure that we're not going to repeat ourselves. I said, man, I will feed off what you say. And praise God, this man talked about this man's encounter who had passed with Jesus because church I don't know if you know this or not funerals are not for the, the dead they're for the living I don't know if you know this or not just a little perspective you ever gone to a funeral where somebody talked bad about the person I mean maybe one time maybe they said a little something something but the reality is most dead people greatest man ever lived true story I got to see the town drunk of Cleveland, Mississippi, come to know Christ. I did his funeral. He was dying of cancer. I led him to Jesus. He was my next door neighbor. Well, there was another town drunk that ran into my dad one day at the grocery store a couple of days after the first town drunk died. And he said, Neely, have you ever heard your son preach before? That'd be kind of like if your son played baseball or basketball or your daughter cheered or she sang and you'd walk up to the parent in the grocery store and say, hey, you ever seen your daughter sing before? No, man, I'm a loser. I never go watch her sing. (laughs) The guy looks at my dad and says, man, have you ever heard your son preach a funeral before? He said, yeah. He said, man, he did such a good job for Mr. John. He said, I wanted to be dead at that moment. The point that I'm making is, church, is this. Usually, when people die, we don't throw them under the bus. They're done. There's nothing else we can do because it's not for the dead, it's for the living. And I tell people this preachers don't preach people's funerals, people preach their own funerals in the way that they lived. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter if I've known you my whole life or I've never met you before. You know what I do at weddings and funerals? I run to Jesus. Why? Because there's a crowd and there's an opportunity. you got to take advantage of it, church, and too often we miss it. The time is now. Now we will see that not only did Felix miss it, Festus and Agrippa did too. Let's look at Acts 25 verses 1 through 27, and we'll dive into this quickly. Now, three days after Festus had arrived in the providence, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea, and the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking a favor against Paul, that he summoned him to Jerusalem because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So, so said he, let the men of authority among you go down with me and there, and, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. And after he stayed among them not more than eight or ten days, he went down to Caesarea and the next day he took his seat on the tribu- tri- tri- tribunal And ordered Paul to be to be brought. And when he arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that they could not prove. Look at verse eight. Paul argued in his defense: Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal, 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 where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I've done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. Then if I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me no one can give me up to them i appeal to caesar then festus when he had conferred with his counsel answered to caesar you have appealed to caesar you shall go now when some days had passed agrippa verse 13 the king and bernice arrived at caesarea to greet and greeted festus And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, there is a man left left prisoner by Felix. Festus is kind of going, Felix wouldn't deal with it, now i got to deal with it. So there's a prisoner been left by Felix, verse 14, verse 15. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. And I answered them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had an opportunity to make his defense concerning the charges laid against him. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the travel and ordered the man to be brought. And when the accuser stood up, they brought no charge in his case, of such evils as I oppose. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about, certain, uh, about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. I love how Festus loves to talk about Jesus as if it was just a story. Christian, can I call a timeout right quick? The problem with most of us in this room and most of us that are watching online. We share the story of Jesus as if it's a story instead of of it being our life change and our life breath and our life period. And we should quit telling it like it's a story, like it might be true or it might not be because can I tell you something, church? It's true. It's real. And if you know it and you believe it, you would share it differently. Look at verse 20. Being at law a loss about how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem and be tried there regarding them. But when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesarea. And then the Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Here it is, church. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. Verse 23, so on the next day Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and they entered the audience hall with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. And then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me both in Jerusalem and here shouting that he ought to not live any longer? But I found that he had done nothing deserving death, and as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my Lord about him. Therefore, I have brought him before you all, especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we have examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable in sending a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. And here's what I want you to see, church. Have you ever noticed in politics the politician thinks that it's all about him or about her? Just think about it. You watch the news at all in the last 24 hours? It's about this person getting credit or this group getting credit or whatever. You know what God does with Paul in the midst of politicians and governors and kings and all that? He says, y'all keep him locked up as long as you want. And you keep saying tomorrow, and you know what you're going to get today and what you're going to get tomorrow? You're going to get the gospel. Church, I want to ask you a question as we close this morning. We're not locked up. We're not in chains. Believe it or not, I know that we could talk about our government, we could talk about politics, but can I just be real honest? I'm tired of talking about politics and the government. Why don't we talk about something that lasts? Why don't we talk about something that matters? Because there's only one king and it's King Jesus. There's only one message and it's the hope of Christ. There's only one banner that we stand under and it's the cross of Jesus Christ. There's only one message. And it's for everybody. But remember last week, the reason the Jews were so upset, because they were racist. They were so afraid that there was not enough for everyone. Because that's what they had been taught through so many men of old. Jesus was a new way, a new Understanding, And here's what's so sad The hope that they had hoped for For years and years and years Had finally arrived And they were missing it And what was their response Tomorrow Tomorrow Church I believe in the country song If the good die young I'm going to probably live to be an old man And so maybe I do have tomorrow. But can I just be real with you? I stand before you as a 43-year-old man who has the privilege to be a husband and a father and a pastor. In too many days, I find myself putting off to tomorrow what I could do today. You see, the gospel was not given to us for tomorrow. It was given to us for today. this is what we do. We're like little children. I don't want to sit in that seat. I don't want to have to sit next to her. I don't want to be in that teacher's class. I don't want to be in this person's deal. And God's like, I put you where I put you for a reason. You know why you're here today? You watching on Facebook or YouTube, you know why you stopped today? It's the same way we started right before we preach. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Father God, I beg you this morning. That we wouldn't be like Felix and Festus and Agrippa and all these other people that hear the gospel and and, and instead of being changed by the gospel, because God, the gospel will change us. God, the gospel will save us. The gospel will give us a new identity. But God, so often we are afraid of what it might cost us. God, I'm looking forward to my home in heaven for this world is quickly fading away around us. God, is my good friend and my fellow pastor Deshaun prayed in our time together, God, I believe that you are wanting to do something, but we are in the way. And God, if we are in the way, get us out of the way, because today is what you want to do. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the hour. Today is the moment. Today is the day that you have made, and we're going to rejoice in it, and we're going to make it about you today, Lord. And if we live till tomorrow... So be it. And may we honor you and glorify you tomorrow as well. God, I think too many of us are in a fire. We feel like we're by ourselves. But I praise God that the fires that we find ourselves, there's another in it with us. And his name is Jesus. God, may we worship you in song. And may we worship you with our lives this week. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Hey, stand to your feet. Worship with us as we respond to an invitation. My name is Fish Robinson. I'm the lead pastor here at Community Church Oxford. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Community Church Oxford podcast. We hope that you'll consider joining us again in the future. Until then, God bless.